Welcome to episode 15 of the Scout Trailblazers podcast. And this week I have another special guest. And this time it's Andrea Lorenzo Molinari from The Shepherd and who has many roles here at Scout. Now, Andrea, why don't you pronounce that the way it should be done? <laughs> it's Andrea. Andrea Lorenzo Molinari. You got you you got it uh, two-thirds on the money. So that's pretty good. I thought it had to sound a little more Italian, like Andrea Lorenzo Molinari kind of a sound. You can throw that in there, sure. If you've had enough uh, to drink, I think it's all Because <laughs> I, I always get a huge kick out of it because I'm Italian by absorption. I, I love Italian food, so well, I'm always right. interested That's good. in that. That's good stuff. Okay. Well, you've got a lot of good things that you're doing with Scott. Why don't we talk about your role as editor and what exactly that title is? I, I'm not a big title guy. Yeah. So I, what is your title at, at Scout? Well, the official title is editorial director, but like, like you said, I'm not much for titles either. It's more about the work. And uh, what I like best about the work is getting a chance to work with a lot of different creators. And um, quite frankly, I really enjoy working with creators from around the world. I mean, we really have just on the creative teams we have, I probably have, I don't know, six or seven Italian teams that I've either worked with or am working with. I have a New Zealand creative team, Australian uh, a creator from Hawaii, uh, Spain, Hungary, Brazil, England, Canada, lots of Americans. So you really, um, you really get a chance to meet people from around the world. Germany, I forgot Germany. It's really been an, an a really amazing experience and just really enriched my life quite a, quite a lot, actually. Well, that's cool because one of the great things about uh, being an editor is, for me anyway, now there's some people who believe that editors go in there and hack and slash and make people sound like them and all that stuff. And I know you and I are, are in sync as far as this goes. Right. We don't do that. Right. That's Well, first of all, I think that you know people's perceptions about being an editor are they need to understand an editor for somebody like Marvel or DC is a very different job than what we have with Scout. Um, and of course, the reason is that at Marvel and DC, you have company owned products like Batman and the X-Men are owned by, you know, Marvel and their, you know, and Disney, for example, um, or it was at AT&T owns, you know, uh, DC and Batman. So, the editor in a certain way is a protector of the company product there. And so that there's a lot more, you know, uh, worry about, you know, preserving the uh, certain boundaries that you can't really, you know, go outside of, or shouldn't really go outside of without specialized permission. And I think obviously scout because it's creator owned as an editor. Like when I talk to my teams, I tell them, you know, if it has to do with lettering technique or, you know, grammar, punctuation stuff, I'd ask you to follow what I'm telling you to do. Uh, but if it has to do with creative things, I'm going to make suggestions. And then you can decide from there what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And that's a really big difference in terms of oh, yeah. what the role of the, of the editor is. It's so true because the, I always say editors are like Batman. We prefer the shadows. Yeah. You know, some editors like their names above other people's names and stuff. And I'm going like, why? You know, our job is to make other people look good. Yeah, right? that's, no, that's really it. It's really good. So, okay, but that's not all you do is be an editor. You're also a creator. And the first time I ran into you, I'll never forget it. You were at Megacon in Orlando, Florida, 
and you had little business cards. And on the back of the card, it had a place where you could download your book, which is called The Shepherd. And you and your son were there, and you're at the table, and you gave me the little card. And when I got back home, I actually downloaded the, the very first issue of it. And I really liked it. I thought it was really a very creative story. And well, but why don't you talk a little bit about what The Shepherd is about? Yeah, um, well, a little bit, a couple different facets that come into it. Um, one is the... I mean, you know, the, um, the story of that the shepherd really is based on a nightmare that I had about my son. So the, the story itself, that's, that's its origin. On the other hand of that, uh, the idea of the afterlife, the stories in the afterlife, the journeys in the afterlife, uh, that's very much influenced by my academic preparation, academic study. I've always been interested in those, what are called otherworldly journeys and they're common in the ancient world. I mean, you have stories of, you know, Hercules going into the afterlife and Dionysius and the Persephone legend. And, and you know, I tell people this all the time. The oldest piece of literature uh, in the Western world is the Gilgamesh epic, uh, the Sumerian Gilgamesh epic. And uh, that deals with a journey in the afterlife as well. So it's certainly something that has long, a long tradition. And, of course, it, it uh, finds its way down through the centuries with, you know, Famous pieces of work like Dante's Divine Comedy, uh, the Inferno being the most famous of the three parts, uh, but also even pieces of literature that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being otherworldly journeys. Uh, things like uh, the uh, Charles Dickens Christmas Carol, uh, where there is very much a journey in the afterlife you know, that takes place. And so it's those kinds of things that have kind of like out in, in my head as I'm thinking about these stories as my son and I are talking about them, that's really the, you know, the two sources, if you will, that really uh, have influenced this storytelling that has been part of the uh, Shepherd graphic novel series. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to tell you that one of the things I'm always interested in are father-son stories, hmm. because they are often some of the most revealing and, you know, especially if you're a guy, I guess, tender things that go on and of course I, I've met your son and and the two of you we you know I, we've had dinner with you guys and all this kind of stuff it's so much fun to see especially a father and son that have similar interests on many levels like you and your son are both interested in comics and creating comics and stuff like that so it's really interesting to sit and, and talk with you guys and watch you guys uh, you know how your son the similarities and the differences between the two of you as you do stuff, it's, it's really a fascinating thing to watch. And it's, you know, it's a great thing to watch because, you know, my dad couldn't read a comic if you know, maybe if you paid him to do it. He just didn't. So to see a, a relationship that has comics so important to it, it's really a lot of fun. You know, the thing I, I, I'm always interested in is because this is based on a dream you had. And talk about putting this to paper. I mean, it's... Well, it was, you know, the, it was a very scary dream. I mean, it was a nightmare. So I want to be very clear about that. It was not a happy wake up and feel good about yourself dream. It was a it was really a chilling nightmare. Uh, in my dream, I dreamed that my son, Roberto, who's, uh, you know, my co-writer, I dreamed that he had died of a of a drug overdose. And I was, you know, devastated because Roberto and I have always been close. What you're describing, that relationship 
is very much there. And I want to be very clear about the fact that we don't always see eye to eye. I mean, we're, you know, it's like, even like in terms of comics, let, let me try to put this in perspective. My son, Roberto, would be much more coming down on the side of how uh, the Punisher deals with criminals. And myself, I would be much more in line with how Daredevil uh, or Spider-Man would deal with criminals. So I think that that, uh, that will illustrate to you uh, just the chasm uh, between how we, and believe me, that has been a lot of conversation between us as we talk about these stories, as we work on these stories together. And in a lot of ways, they kind of reflect the characters, uh, the characters of the shepherd and Legio, uh, the wolf wraith from the afterlife. Uh, they are, you know, kind of different forces at work in the storytelling uh, that even though they're partnered, they're uh, feelings and positions about things are very different on how they would, you know, ideally approach them. So anyway, that nightmare, uh, you know, waking up from that dream, it took me a while to a couple days to finally get up enough nerve to talk to my son about it. And when I did tell him about the dream, he was very excited about it. He just, from the very beginning, he really saw it as a story that we should do something with. Whereas myself, I was worried that it was like predictive or, uh, <laughs> you know, like it was prophetic that it was going to, you know, that something terrible was going to happen. Mm. And um, but he really saw it as a story we needed to tell and very distinctly needed to be told as a graphic novel. And he never doubted that. And I, I ought to be honest, I doubted it from the very beginning. Um, <laughs> I thought it was ludicrous that, you know, mm. we would do this or, you know, we've never done this before. You know, we're going to just write this story up. And then we're going to just go blindly waiting out there and we're going to find this artist and have the artist illustrate this story. And then we're going to find somebody who likes it enough to want to publish it. Right. Yeah, that's going to happen because that happens every day. You know, uh, that was kind of my kind of my approach on it. But he uh, he just never doubted. And what I can just assure you that when it came time looking for a publisher, we sent the book out to over 40 publishers. Wow. Now, in the end, we ended up getting like three different offers uh, and we took the one at Caliber Comics. But it was, you know, it wasn't, you know, as the person who was sending out all those the submissions brochures or uh, packages, I should say, uh, you know, there were moments where I was wondering if this was going to happen. But he just never wavered. He just said, keep sending them out. Just keep sending them. We're going to get this and it's going to be OK. Hmm. And uh, Gee, if yeah, I mean, and then it did. Then it did. In, um, in December of 14, we ended up, it was like the last day of December, I think, or the first day of January. We got the contract in December and then we signed it. And the book came out in May of 2015, the first the first volume of The Shepherd. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I have to be honest with you. If my dad had said that to me, I think I would have been shaken, you know, because, you know, <laughs> My dad never would talk about that kind of subject, and but to say that from him, because he was a very quiet guy, and he rarely talked about this kind of stuff. But if he'd ever say that to me, I would have been shaken. I would have been sweating probably and stuff, because that would have been so unusual to have. So I, I applaud his courage with that, the wanting to tell the story. Is I, I'm not convinced I'd be able <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I had plenty of doubts about it, um, but he wasn't shaken. I asked him about it subsequently, and he just said, well, you know, I never had any desire to do drugs, and I just didn't see myself as the kind of person who would do that. 
Um, it wasn't something that was on my radar. So for me, I just kind of like shook it off. It's kind of a paraphrase of how he how he's talked about it with me in the past, but it was definitely shaking, uh, a shaking experience or a, a chilling experience. And the thing about it is it wasn't just the fact that he died of a drug overdose. It was really the entire story that you see in that first novel was the dream, was that nightmare. Mm-hmm. Really, there's only a couple things that were not, and I'll tell you this, what they were is the shape of the creature that eventually became Legio. In the dream, the creature was always like at the corner of my eye, like, you know, just outside of your peripheral vision where you can sense the creature there, but never really get a good look at it. So it made it even that more horrible and frightening. And then then there was the staff itself. And I just knew that I had in my dream, I had this like power that came from me. But in the book, when we knew we had to write it as a book, we needed to have some kind of, we felt like some kind of a totem or some kind of object to channel, you know, that vision, that capability. Because in the dream, it was very clear, like it was the ability to have like a clarity of vision. It was like truth. It was to see things as they really are. And the whole concept of that, sometimes we don't want to see things as they really are. And that seeing things, seeing the truth can sometimes be a painful experience as opposed to always a good experience. You know, I mean, maybe it is at the end a good experience, but sometimes you go through the pain uh, before you get to the good. Now, I'm lucky enough that I have read, if I remember correctly, three volumes. Yes, you've read the corpus that exists, uh, that has been published, I should say. Yeah, because, and let me tell you something, if people think this is going to be a very straightforward story there's a huge surprise that surprised the heck out of me uh and i'm not going to say anything about more than that (laughs) because when i got to it i just literally my jaw hit the ground i was just like wait a second here because it's great writing it's it's character driven I mean, you know, the the, the guy's name, uh, who you, uh, and people may not know this, you actually dress up as the shepherd when cons are going on and stuff like that. You'll often be at, at a table, you'll be going through the, the, the floor dressed up like the shepherd. Yeah. And you have a staff similar to the, the one that the shepherd actually uses and stuff. So I think that's it. And you've actually won a, didn't you win the costume contest? I did once. That was so ludicrous. Uh, my daughter, I mean, I just wear it, you know, because it's, uh, somebody had suggested it to me to cosplay the main character as a as a way of getting people to kind of like come over and ask about the character, which, by the way, it does work. So I do that and I've come to enjoy it. And of course, the little kids really like the staff and people want to, you know, want to pose and take pictures with the staff, which is perfectly cool for me. I have no problem with it. But one time we went to this one, I think it was in Kissimmee, where we were at the smaller, like moderate sized con. And they had a costume contest and my daughter was there and she pressured me into doing it, kind of bullied me into doing it. And uh, I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And there were plenty of other good costumes. I just like, I'll, I just do it just to placate her. And I ended up winning, winning the costume contest, which was just so absolutely unexpected and, and just, it was just crazy that it ended up. It's a, it's a great costume though. I do have to say it's well put together. It's really well done. Now let's move on to do today because now you've get, you've had these things successful with that. I mean, you've sold them at cons and I was lucky enough to get to read them and stuff. Now let's move to where you are now. How did you get the shepherd? Cause it's part of the, the black caravan imprint. How did this happen that, that you ended up 
being under the Black Caravan imprint? Uh, it's hard to answer that question completely. I think that they thought I fit best there because Black Caravan specializes in horror and sci-fi. And we always saw The Shepherd as kind of like almost gothic horror because The Shepherd is definitely ghost stories. I mean, there's no, we're not equivocal about that. We tell ghost stories. Most of our stories are situated in the afterlife. So they are, they're like the afterlife equivalent equivalents of hauntings. I've always been fascinated by ghost stories that involve something traumatic has happened to that person and their spirit stays in a particular place, kind of reliving the events until such time as that gets resolved. And then when that happens, that soul is able to leave, you know, to move on to whatever comes next. And I, I, I just find those very satisfying stories, things like The Sixth Sense. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a wonderful, uh, I'm a big uh, Guillermo del Toro fan, and he has a movie in Spanish that's called The uh, uh, the Devil's Backbone, and I recommend it to anybody. It has subtitles, so I mean, I, I'm not fluent in Spanish, but it's it's so worth your time, absolutely worth your time. But there are many other stories like that, like The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix and it, it's those kinds of stories uh, where there's something traumatic has happened. And that's really, I think, because the uh, submissions committee recognized that, I think, I think that it made sense to, to assign us to Black Caravan. And I'll have to say, I'm really glad that they did because uh, Joseph Schmalky and Rich Woodall, who are the co-publishers, have been so good to us. I mean, they really have. And not just good, but also kind to us and supportive. And just for example, like, you know, there was a phone call that I had with Joseph. It was about a month ago now. And he was just saying to me, you know, how much he appreciated the shepherd, what we were doing with the book and got it and liked it. And um, it just really meant a lot to me to hear that come out of the mouth of our publisher, that we had that kind of support. And they don't just talk the talk, but they really walk that as well. Like, for example, um, this weekend, you know, we're preparing for the whole trade paperback to come out of the Shepherd Volume 1. And uh, as Scout, we do the nonstop, which, as you well know, it's you release issue one. And then supposedly two months later, after it would be the third month after that, uh, they release the entire trade, which is perfect for the Shepherd because we wrote all of our stories to be novels. So our intent when we write is for you to curl up with that book and read it cover to cover as if at all possible, because we want to create like a cumulative emotional impact on you with the story. And so we're not writing stories that are well suited to be broken up into serial format, like the monthly comic thing. I'll be honest. I've never wanted to write a monthly comic. Never. I'm much more interested in the graphic novels. So anyway, this weekend, I was working with Rich uh, Woodall, who was doing the graphic design for the novel. And he, you know, he was sending me the prototypes of what the cover is going to look like. And it's beautiful. It really is. I mean, and you can just tell there's a lot of little details that he put on. You can just tell that he wasn't phoning it in. I mean, that there was a lot of love, you know, that goes into the work that he's doing. And the guys really care, you know, and it's just you feel like you're not just a title that they happen to have, like just 
you know, one of the many, but you actually feel like you matter, you know, and both the guys did um, variant covers for, for the shepherd and um, they're beautiful covers. You can tell from the covers themselves that these guys get what the shepherd is all about. You know, like I just use an example, Rich Woodall did this painting of the shepherd surrounded by the lost souls, just absolutely surrounded as if he was alone in like a sea of souls. And it's interesting because that idea is so, so perfect for the shepherd because he says, you know, like the question is how long will he stay in the afterlife working with the souls until there's none that need this help is the answer, you know, and I'm paraphrasing it, but that's, that's the answer to the question is how, you know, because his commitment is to help others who need help and um, to see that he got it so powerfully. And then on the other hand, you have Joseph Schmalky's work where he does the shepherd as he patterned it after the tarot card, the hermit. And if you know anything about the hermit, what the role of the hermit is and compare it to what the shepherd is, you know, it's this guiding figure, the idea of the lantern. I mean, it's just like, it's like a perfect tarot card. If you were going to choose a tarot card for the shepherd to be superimposed upon, it's the perfect one. And it just, in both cases, you could just see that these guys get what we're doing, you know, and, cool. and really, really understand it. And, and it matters to them. And that's really, I just can't even, I can't give you the words to really explain how much that means. Hmm. Well, it doesn't always happen. No, it doesn't. I can tell you it does not. Uh, (laughs) You can just be one of the arrows in the quiver. I know what that is like. Because the first issue now, in fact, I talked with those guys uh, a couple weeks ago, and one of the things they specifically brought up was the shepherd, number one. I know. I listened to that interview. It was a good interview, too. I was blown. And that's, that's an illustration right there that the guys would take the time. You know, and I know they said some very nice things about me. Uh, I'll have to make sure the check is in the mail. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it just that's just another example, you know, of the kind of support Um, I would tell any creator, especially if you're doing, you know, we like I said, we do horror as our our main thing and then sci fi, but also we do fantasy. So if you have creators that do those things, man, I would tell you, Joe, uh, Joseph and, and Rich are great guys to work with. I mean, you'd be really in good hands with these guys. Really cool. Now, Chris, the first issue came out. Yes. Have you gotten any reaction to it? Have What kind of response did you get? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, we've had very good reviews. Um, we've Now, we added a new section that was not there when we published with Caliber. It's a 12-page story that the guys, and I, the guys, I mean, Joseph and Richard, asked me to, to put in there. So, we sat down, Berto and I sat down and talked about it. And um, we ended up writing a 12 page story that's based on Egyptian mythology. We're both very interested in mythology and, uh, you know, the theory, the ideas and theories of the afterlife that are portrayed in the different mythologies of the world are all stuff that we are very intrigued by. And, um, you know, I proposed an idea like in the Egyptian mythology, they have the concept of the weighing of the soul. And this is, if anybody has ever heard the idea that, you know, your good deeds will be put on a scale and here's the good deeds. And then on the other side is the bad deeds. And 
if the good deeds outweigh the bad deeds, then, you know, you get to go to heaven kind of thing. That concept is an Egyptian concept, not a Christian mm-hmm. concept. And um, it's an interesting, uh, interesting idea because in that weighing of souls in the original Egyptian concept, the person who deceased their heart their heart is actually weighed on a scale against the feather of truth, which is called, it's the symbol of the goddess Ma'at, the the goddess of truth. And if your heart is lighter than the truth, uh, then that means you pass the judgment and you are ushered in to meet um, Osiris and his two wives, Isis and Nephthys. So that's the, the idea. But of course, if it goes the other way, you get to meet uh, a goddess by the name of Amut, and Amut is uh, the devourer of souls. So you can you can imagine that that's probably not as much fun. So, mm-mm, mm-mm. so when is the trade expected to come out? Do you know, that'll be April seventh. Is the trade, so, and I'm really so. proud to say we have a beautiful cover. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's a beautiful cover uh, that is painted by David Mack, who is my favorite. Uh, my favorite comic book artist. Cool. Super cool. Because that, that's good to know because we want to do that. If you don't find the Shepherd number one in your store, you can always go to scoutcomics.com. There's a store there and you can get it there. But the one last thing I wanted to talk with you about was, was that the Shepherd goes metal. Yeah. At one point. Talk a little bit about that. You have a metal cover, right, for the Shepherd. Uh, yeah, well, we have – we actually, it's a foil cover that is that tarot card hermit uh, cover. And that one, that one is actually interesting because I don't even know how many exist. Like I know they ordered 250, but here's the thing, Wayne, they, they actually got a bunch of them got damaged in shipping. Like they, I ordered 10 of them just for myself as the comp co- cover uh, comp uh, copies and all 10 were damaged in shipping. Oh, so, oh. The thing is, what started out as a run of 250 is decidedly less. And so how rare are these foil, silver foil covers? I honestly don't know. I don't know how many of them have survived. We could be talking at less than 100. So it could be ultra rare. And then the other one that's similar to that is there's a black and gold leaf variant. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. not metal, but it's probably, you know, the closest next best thing to that. And that's, uh, again, both those Hermit uh, card variant covers are done by Joseph Schmalky, and they're gorgeous. I mean, they they're, they really are. The gold one is, the gold leaf one is just spectacular. It, it's actually hard to take photographs of it because it's the gold is so reflective of the light. Even when you have the light off in the room and you're just using ambient light, it still reflects the light and it's difficult to, to, to photograph it. Isn't that appropriate though, somehow? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I honestly think that, uh, so yeah. That's so cool. So, okay, uh, again, Scout HQ, scoutcomics.com, uh, go to the store, you can go to the title, The Shepherd is in there, and you can, I, if you're, I think you can even see the different covers. Yes, there are several, not all of them. There's actually nine different covers. Uh, for issue one, which is a lot. Um, some of them are, you know, uh, store variant covers. Um, one of the ones is actually done by a comic book shop in Montreal called Farside Comics. And the artist is Ryan G. Brown. And that one is actually a glow in the dark cover, which is, you know, ludicrous, <laughs> but very cool. Very cool. So if somebody wants to follow you on social media, how do they do that? The shepherdcomic.com will 
or excuse me, the shepherdcomic.com is our, is our, our uh, website, but on Facebook, the shepherd comic on Instagram, the shepherd comic on Twitter, the shepherd com. There wasn't enough uh, letters to be able to include the IC, but uh, you get the, you get the idea. Okay, very good. Well, you know, as somebody, Andre, who has read the stuff, I highly recommend it. This is one of those books. I, I particularly am always interested in spiritual subjects and supernatural subjects because I think we all know there's more than what we know. <laughs> and I think The Shepherd is a great exploration of that subject. And I just think it's it's just superb. Thank you. So, you know, again, I highly recommend it. And, okay, this is the first volume. I've got plans to do the second volume. Yes. Uh, the second volume, uh, the first issue of the second volume, which is called The Path of Souls, uh, is going to be coming out in August. And then uh, we will drop the entire trade, I guess, in November is what I've been told. Oh, cool. And the third? And the third, we actually do have, we actually have three stories that have never been published before. The third one is going to be called The Valentine. And my hope is to drop issue one in February of 2022. Uh, we've got to get that approved by the guys, and I'm hoping I can talk them into it. But with it being called the Valentine, I'm hoping it won't be too hard to talk them into it. <laughs> well, keep it up, Andrea. You're doing wonderful stuff. And I think the Shepherd is going to inspire a lot of people and do a lot of good. So I, I really am looking forward to more. Thank you. Thank you. 